0: And now, once again, to lay down the good word from the church under the bridge, located under the bridge downtown in Cozy Corner. Please welcome Brother Thaddeus Thump Nugget and Brother Rolling Thunder. under the bridge, located under the bridge downtown in Cozy Corner, where true men don't kill coyotes and Catholic schoolgirls rule.
1: Welcome back to the Late Night Fright on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Faith, uh, you know, it hasn't been a weird evening, but I think we might have a riot on our hands.
2: I think so, too. So
1: I think we need to go ahead and try to get through this in the most timely manner possible. Uh, I really hope that we can finish the show tonight, but I don't know what is going to happen. Um, So we were talking about the 1984 movie Ghostbusters. We had just finished talking about Rick Moranis as Louis Tully, one of our favorite performances in the movie. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about another great performance in the movie, Miss Annie Potts as Janine Melnitz, the secretary (laughs) of the Ghostbusters. I made this comment when we were watching the movie. You nodded your head and you smirked. I said, I believe that there's a little bit of Janine in you. (laughs) Do you agree with that assessment? Yes, I do. (laughs) I would like it to be noted right now for you and for our listeners. Um, that we have now compared you to both Janine Melnitz from the Ghostbusters and Dutch Schaefer from Predator, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. So
2: what, what exactly are you seeing in her? me?
1: <laughs> you, you have a little streak. I think it might come out tonight if we end up with these people down here at the studio. Um, you you have a little streak where I think uh, I think you reach your limit with people sometimes. Um, you're right. All right, let me rephrase this for you, my friend. It is not so much that you are Janine Melnitz, but there are times, and I think you will agree with me, where you are the Janine that answers the phone, Ghostbusters. What do you want?
3: <laughs> yes, absolutely.
1: So, um, you really like oh, Janine, didn't you? <laughs> yes. Um. I I love Annie Potts.
3: <laughs>
1: I I love her in this movie. Uh, I'm going, I'm looking at my notes here. That's right, people. We prepare for this show. Okay. And I'm looking at my notes here. And really the question I have about Annie Potts and Janine is how awesome is Janine? Oh, she's
2: totally awesome. So we're
1: going with Very. Very, very awesome. Very Apparently, <laughs> is she cakeball awesome? Yeah, I think so. She's cakeball awesome. She's the one I would like to get on the show. I would like to get Annie Potts on the Late Night Fright. Well, along with all of them. All of them. <laughs> but, uh, but, they'll uh, all get cake balls. They'll all get cake balls. But not you, Cozy Corner. Because <laughs> these are mine. <laughs> Jeff <laughs> Fanghorn had to ruin that for, for you and for us. Um, so we t- uh, Annie Potts, uh, let's talk about uh, another supporting player here. Uh, the antagonist of the piece, William Atherton as Walter Peck, the guy from the EPA. Or, as we like to call him here at the late night fright, Faith, would you like to tell them what we call him here oh, at the late he, night fright? He's dickless, he's dickless. That's who he is. He's dickless. Uh, I might be jumping the gun here, but I do believe that might be both of our favorite lines <laughs> yeah, in the movie. Oh, yes, this mm-hmm. man has no dick. Uh, he's great in this movie, he's he he's great in this movie. and he would go on to play the same kind of jackass in Die Hard a few years later <laughs> <laughs> when he played, um, oh, his name in that movie is Escape, um, Richard Thornburg. That was his name, Richard. He's, he's a jackass in Ghostbusters and he's a jackass in Die Hard. I believe he plays a jackass in Real Genius, which, Tells me he must be one of the nicest men in the entire <laughs> world. Uh what did what did you think of uh Dickless in this movie? <laughs>
2: that cracks me up. I enjoyed him a lot. Um I think we had talked did we talk about him throughout the
1: week? We 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 kind of hit. we we were maybe, hinting around. We were beating around talking it with about him. him to um,
3: myself. <laughs> but
1: uh what do you have? Let's let's hear what you have on on old Walter Peck.
2: Well, I think we we're gonna talk about you're going to ask me if he's a, a villain.
1: Yes, he is the antagonist of the piece because right. it is his direct action that releases the ghost. Now, is he a villain, though?
2: See, that's a, that's where I'm a little torn. I, I feel like he had a point.
1: He, I think yeah, he had a very good point. He had point. a very good point. I think he had a very good point. Now, again, as I said, he is a jackass. Right. He straight up lies to the mayor. Right uh in in a scene right after like he's that he's
2: a jackass with a point
1: technically <laughs> he's a jackass with a point i think i i think that any um anybody uh with some degree of authority would definitely want to be checking out what right. you know what these i think there would be some oversight on these guys especially if they're running around the town with unlicensed nuclear accelerators right. on their back which they have not properly field tested right. <laughs> uh i I I think he's an arrogant jackass. Mm-hmm. I don't really think of him as a villain. I, I think of him just as the antagonist. Yeah, now I don't,
2: I don't think villain. Don't,
1: now, let me, let me ask this question, though, and this just occurred to me. I don't know if you have a good answer. If Peter Vinkman had been just a little nicer to him in the beginning, do you think possibly then maybe some of that would have been averted or would he have just gone for it? See that's a that's a I don't know that we'll get the answer. I don't know if I'm it's one sure. way or the other. I um I really don't know, but I think that's a I think that's a good question. It is. Uh, they were they were going to butt heads either way. I think so too. I think. But you know, and that's uh but it, we were talking about how the movie's grounded in the business side of mm-hmm. things and he's one of those obstacles, this government intervention. Uh that, uh, again, just kind of gives them the underdog status. Mm-hmm. Like, the government's out to get them. And, <laughs> yeah, think about that. The government is out to get them. Is there anything worse than the government out for you? <laughs> you know? Maybe the only way he could have been worse is if he was from the IRS, maybe. You know? Like, if he was if he was the tax man, maybe it would have been even worse, you know? Or if he had a tax man with him. Um, but uh, I, I think he's just an arrogant character uh i think he has a great point Me too. i think he probably could have used some people skills uh you know maybe some anger management i don't know but uh i'm very thankful that he's in this movie because it does lead to my favorite line in the movie and oh, your favorite yeah. line in the movie and uh they're scientists so they would know right nice. <laughs> they would know <laughs> Uh, but I, I do want to, uh, I do want to say that I think he's great in the movie. Yeah, I he think is. it's a great, because pre- he only got two or three scenes and mm-hmm. you remember him exactly. in that movie. Um, and this is, uh, we were talking about Harold Ramis. This is a hallmark of Harold Ramis's writing though. Harold Ramis really celebrated the underdog. I mean, if you think about it, the Deltas is an animal house. They're the underdog Clark Griswold. He didn't write vacation, but Clark Griswold is an underdog. Mm-hmm. In Shack, the, uh, the caddy that the main caddy that you follow, he's the underdog. He really had a soft spot for the underdog. He really didn't like authority. It shows in his movies. You see it in animal house. You see it in ghostbusters. I mean, you put, put Dean Wormer in that scene, you know, and, and it's, it's the same thing. So this, that's a real hallmark of, um, of Harold Ramis's writing and, uh, I, I think he's a great character. You know, he's not my yeah. favorite, obviously not my favorite character. I don't think he's anybody's favorite character, nor is he supposed to be, right. you know, but let's talk about another character that a lot of people love. And he is just as much a part of the Ghostbuster team as the three guys who founded it. And that is Winston Zeddemore, played by the great character actor, Ernie Hudson. Now this role was, in it's original incarnation was originally going to play, be played by Eddie Murphy. And Winston was going to have a little bigger role in the final film than what came from it. Um, Bill Murray, they decided to kind of beef his part up. So some of the Winston stuff got cut. But you like Winston, don't you?
2: I really do. Again, it's hard not to like every character in this movie.
1: I really like Winston. Now, when I was a kid, I thought that there was something kind of unremarkable about Winston. But I liked him. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with Ernie Hudson and how good Ernie yeah. is in this movie. But as I got older, as I said, this is not one of those nostalgia movies. It, it, the older you get, kind of the more you, you come to right. appreciate it. He serves a very important function in this story because at the point in the film in which he comes in, uh, which is right around the uh, the Richard Peck scene, right after that. Uh, mm-hmm. And by the way, uh, we opened the show with it. And I think it's the greatest <laughs> job interview of all time. <laughs> With one of the greatest answers of all time, too. If there's a steady paycheck in it, <laughs> I'll believe anything you want. How many people have said that <laughs> in their in their time? Um, but he's the character. He's an everyman. He's he's a guy off of the street, which again goes to show that they're running a business, things are going well because they need another guy. Uh-huh. But also, he's there uh, from a script standpoint. They can explain things to him, right? Um, and he has some great lines. In it this is. movie, tell them about the Twinkie, you know, <laughs> uh, if someone asks if you're a God, you say yes. <laughs> uh, just, uh, just some, some great moments. And what did you think of Winston?
2: I, like I said, I love Winston. I think he was the most kind of grounded kind of in reality to that point because he wasn't a scientist. He's he the- kind of had this outside view, but he was still, he wasn't too over. What's the word I'm looking for? He wasn't feel well, over analytical. Yes. He, and like with all this science and all this stuff, he was just this outsider, but he could still believe in it and have his input in it.
1: Exactly. And he's the outsider to the science group. And he's the one that really brings in the idea of what we were talking about with the faith mm-hmm. the science thing that's happening here. And. Let me say this, uh, you know, we're not trying to ruffle any feathers here, obviously, Hmm. with whatever you believe, you believe that's, and we're not here to tell you that's right or wrong or try to change your mind. Um, I, I personally believe that there's something bigger out there, bigger than us. Um, Winston does too. Mm -hmm. And Winston is part of, and is kind of the driving force of maybe the best scene in the movie. Absolutely. And it's uh, this is a movie. Uh, if you've listened to the show before too often, I say you know what is your favorite? Well, all of them. There's so many great scenes in this movie. Uh, we're gonna jump the gun here. This is my favorite scene in the movie, Mine too. and it is the midpoint of the movie. So if you're following from a script construction standpoint, this is the point where the movie changes. This is where it it kind of pivots, mm-hmm. and the movie's I would say it's pretty light. For right. the first hour, yep. there's some scary parts in the first hour, but after this scene, bad things—yeah, so r- darkness—doomsday is- happens. And Faith, do you want to tell them? You want to tell them the scene? You want to give them a quick breakdown just of what happens in that scene?
2: The scene where they're in the where they're on the bridge. Together, yeah, they talked about Revelations. Um, I can't remember the number.
1: I can't remember the number either.
2: Can't that it was but, uh revelations um,
1: 12 maybe 6 six twelve or something like that <laughs> something
2: like that but winston believes that this may be the end of the world when all of these things come out of the ground and come back to
1: what i love about <laughs> what i love about the scene and i want to give extreme credit extreme amounts of credit to both guys in that scene mm-hmm. now let's uh because we're talking about winston let's talk about dan aykroyd in that scene for just a minute He's the funny guy, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, he's a he's a he's a comedic actor, right? How serious is he in that scene?
3: Very serious.
1: And how much do you buy it? That look on his 100%. face. One
2: hundred percent.
1: What's amazing? Let's the writing of that, the way that this plays out with. Has it ever occurred to you that the dead are rising? Why we've been so busy right. lately, and why this stuff has been happening has never even entered Ray's mind. Mm -mm. It's just happening. And that look on his face when he realizes, wait, (laughs) there might be something more to what is going on here. And he's also at that point, uh, holding the, uh, the blueprints for the apartment. And so Mm -hmm. there's that mystery of what's, what's really kind of going on here. And Ernie Hudson talking about, uh, when he finishes that, that quote from revelations, and, uh, you know, and the dead have been rising mm-hmm. and Ackroyd being terrified. I think he's scared. I think yeah, Ray yeah. is, is legitimately scared in that movie. And then they play the music and they, and they're on their way. I think, uh, there's a, you can watch that clip on YouTube and somebody titled the video, the greatest 90 seconds in the history of cinema. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm kind of hard pressed to, uh, disagree with them it's right? <laughs> it's pretty good, the music is great, the acting is great um like I said, Winston Zeddemore, he's not just there. he's not just there, and ernie hudson i think is is just absolutely wonderful uh let's see so good movie absolutely good movie wonderful movie real quick let's talk about the effects all
2: right
1: let's talk about the effect what do you think about the effects this is a thirty five year old movie what did what I did you think they about were those incredible. effects
2: incredible. They were terrifying.
1: <laughs> I think they stand up. I think, <laughs> I think, I think they really stand up. I I think that uh, you had some really talented people working on that movie, Absolutely. and they brought their complete A game. And uh, really, like I said, we're gonna go back to the beginning. Let's, let's the guy who thought this up. So from Dan Aykroyd's brain to <laughs> to the uh, to the molders and sculptors over there. I don't know if it was ILM doing it. I can't remember if it was them or not. But some really great effects have, have stood the test of time. I like the uh, I like the librarian. Uh, at the beginning. I think that's a great effect. Yeah. That reminded me of Raiders of Lost Ark. Did it remind you of, oh, but, of Raiders yeah. a little bit? Uh Slimer's wonderful. Oh, I love uh <laughs> the the Proton Pack effects are, are great. It's but you know what what I love about the effects in this movie is that they don't get in the way. I was never um even as a kid, I was never Ooh, wow, look at right. you know, look at that. It was just part of the story. Mm-hmm. And I think they used them as a as a tool to tell the story. And I think you know uh that's the light you know they talk about movies being you know sound and light and mm-hmm. magic and movement and that's part of the magic of this movie and they're pretty seamless for the most part you okay. know ivan reitman has said they were rushed and they had to you know some things, some scenes you can see some wires in, you know what i, I can't see them i don't care i don't care if i can never see them.
3: Noticed
1: them. um you know and he uh doing the research for this it turns out he worked on broadway and, and did some um Uh, special effects on Broadway. So he brought a lot of that to, especially the scene where she's levitating above the bed. Uh, Oh yeah. I read where the posts were in the curtain or
2: something.
3: Right, right.
1: Just really, really neat things. And what I like about that scene too, uh, uh, listen, I like special effects. Um, I don't don't really kind of get off on, you know, on how they're made uh, or all that. You know, they are what they are. I like them when they're being used to tell a story. One of the things I really like in this though is when she's, when she's levitated and Bill Murray runs his hand along her almost as if to show that there's no wires uh-huh. there. I, I don't know if that was intended to kind of, you know, be a wink to the audience. Like, Hey, look, there's no wires right. here, but, uh, I that thought, was... of, I thought, I think it's wonderful. I think the entire movie is wonderful. Me I think too. it's all of these things working, working together that just make it.
2: There was nothing in it that was, like unintentional or overlooked. Everything was kind of placed perfectly and
1: there, there's no fat. No, there's no fat on. it. And what I was talking about earlier with uh, with the construction of this movie, everything means something. Everything is there for for a reason. Nobody goes off on a tangent. Um, I I don't want to. I didn't really want to go there uh, too much with this, but. Uh, There's an elephant in the room tonight. There was a remake of this movie Mm -hmm. in 2016. Um, Depending on who you talk to, uh, it did not do well at the box office. Uh, The failure of which will be blamed on several different things, depending on who you talk to. Now they recast the four leads uh, as females. I don't care. I don't care if they, you know, I don't care if they cast kids in, in the lead roles. What I want to see when I see a Ghostbusters movie is I want to see something like this. I want to see something special and fantastic with tone and uh, that tells a really good story. Exactly. I didn't think that the 2016 movie told a good story. It didn't. And I'm not a huge fan of everybody in that cast, but they could. I think they could have made a really great movie with that cast. Yeah. I think the biggest mistake that they made was... What we were talking about earlier with Tone, I think they watched that original movie and they thought that it was a comedy,
3: right?
1: a straight comedy. It's not a straight comedy. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, I think that they really believe that that movie was improv,ed because Ghostbusters 2016 feels like mm-hmm. they showed up and they were trying to see what would stick on the wall. And you just hit the nail on the head with nothing in this movie feels superfluous. Nothing. There's no fat Mm-mm. on this. The moments of improv that I know are improv because I've read it or heard the guy say it right. don't feel improv. Yeah, you can't tell. It's seamless. These, like I said, these are, to quote Elwood Blues, these are master craftsmen mm-hmm. practicing, master bluesmen practicing their craft. <laughs> Everybody in this movie, from, from Dickless yeah. to to Rick Moranis to also, Sigourney Weaver to from Bill Murray. From Merton. the
2: characters to the story to the effects, everything was, Even, I feel like, done so well
1: and done with attention and, to detail.
2: Exactly.
1: Attention to detail because I think I think what we've kind of been skirting around tonight is because they knew what story they were telling. They knew exactly. the effect that they were trying to get. And um I think it comes off absolutely wonderful. Too. Like that, and,
2: back to characters real quick. There's not one character that's like not needed or, you know, these extra people who you're like, "Okay, why are they in here?" everyone's needed in that movie and they fit and it's just wonderful.
1: It's extremely efficient in its construction, in its writing, in its production, Um, as lavish as some of it gets, it's extremely efficient. And it's not that they don't make movies like this anymore. They never made movies like this. (laughs) And, but this is one of those sweet spots where everything's working, where the script is a classic construction. And, And if you've been listening to the show long enough now, and if this is your first time to the show, you know, we love horror movies and this one, we, you know, this is a different one for us. This is kind of a horror comedy. We're trying to give you a cross section here um, with these movies. And, but what we're really trying to do is we're also trying to kind of show you like how this was made, why it works and tell you why it works. And if it doesn't work, tell you why it doesn't work. And this is one of those movies that just completely, exactly. completely works. It's a it's a classic in its genre. It's kind of a genre all unto itself. And thirty five years old. It's gonna be around for another thirty five years, mm-hmm. and it's got another sequel coming out yeah. in twenty twenty sometime next year. So, and it's a multimedia franchise. Spawn cartoons, spawn video games, um, all kinds of all kinds of fun stuff. It is it is a franchise. It has made those four guys at the center of this very wealthy wealthy beyond the dreams of avarice so thumbs up thumbs up thumbs up <laughs> and that's a good time because the phone is ringing so do oh, we want goodness. to go to the phone line faith i guess so all right you are on wkmf cozy corner public radio the late night fright how are you tonight what is on your mind
4: hey you guys it's bobby again how you guys doing we're good. How are you? Oh, uh, I'm doing good. Hey, Faith, oh, those cake balls, they like still under that aluminum foil, like that Jeff Fanghorn didn't get in there and like get him or anything. I don't think he's been into them. Because I've been doing hammer curls and I will put him, I'll put that neck like right under my elbow, you know, and I will just, I'll noogie him, you know? <laughs> um, anyway, I was just calling and telling you guys, like, you know, I'm going to be calling down here and doing show and stuff, but uh, there was a mob forming out here in Cozy Corner. I mean, they got torches and pitchforks and they are coming for you. You hear what I'm saying? Do you know what I mean? Oh God, what did I do?
1: We 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 do know what you mean, mm. Bobby.
4: Anyway, I mean, you guys are like my best friends. You know what I mean? You know, we've been through so much together. You guys made me, you know, like cake balls, you know. And uh, anyway, uh, if I was you guys, I would try to start wrapping things up. You know?
1: Yeah, Bobby. We'll uh we'll we'll do our best, man. We'll see you when you get down here.
4: All right, guys, I'm gonna do uh, I'm gonna do some of these uh, one arm push ups, but I'll be down there in
1: a while, okay? All right, buddy, we'll catch you on the flip. Faith, um, they can come down here all they want. I am gonna finish the show. Me too. Because we have never finished this I, show. I
2: know.
1: If you've been listening to the show, you know that we've we've never finished the show. So we are gonna take a very quick break, but when we come back, we. Are gonna have some music. Did you know that? I bet you didn't know that. Faith, we're gonna have some didn't. music. Who we got? We have an artist here from Cozy Corner. He calls himself Sensitive Guy.
3: All right.
1: He's got a song. It's called Four Winds. I like it. I think it's a. I think it's a good track. It's. Uh, I can't wait to hear. Um. Well, we're gonna. You're gonna hear it when we come back from the break. What yeah. do you think about that? I'm ready for it. I am Dan. And I'm Faith. You listen to Late Night Fright. We'll see you on the other side.
0: This is Todd Wick, former Hells Angel, ordained minister, and owner of Holy Smoke, Cozy Corner's premier Christian vape shop. Join me every Sunday at 7 a.m. right here on WKMF as we discuss the latest in vape juices and salvation. Tell them what we've got this week, Shasta. That's my wife.
2: We got Electric Monkey vape juice, and what we don't have is cake balls.
0: That's right. We don't have cake balls. You know, it's not very Christian to make cake balls and not offer them to your WKMF co-employees. Holy smoke. Every Sunday
1: at 7 a.m. Only on WKMF. Cozy Corner. Public Radio.
0: I used to be a hell's angel. I still am at heart. I can kick ass. I'm coming for you, Dan and Faith. Peace be with you.
1: WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio proudly presents highlights from last weekend's Cozy Corner Lentil and White Bean Festival. You've been listening to highlights from the Cozy Corner Lentil and White Bean Festival. Hey, Faith. Hey. What are we going to be watching next week at the King's Palace Drive-In Theater?
2: Batman Returns.
0: We'll be right back. Gwyneth. Goop. Gwyneth. goop. Goop. Lady. Lawyer. Gwyneth. Gwinnie Goop Gwenny Goop, Lady Lawyer
2: I'm Gwinnie Goop, Lady Lawyer and I'm wearing my big girl legal briefs and I'm ready to sue their asses off
0: Gwinnie Goop, Lady Lawyer Punk Rock, Lady Lawyer Punk Rock, Lady Lawyer Gwinnie Goop, Lady Lawyer Welcome
1: back, ghosts and goblins, to The Late Night Fright here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan.
2: And I am Faith.
1: And we have a new piece of music tonight. This is an exclusive to The Late Night Fright. Faith, would you like to tell them what this kind of folksy, Lennon-esque, I guess you might say, uh, piece of music is and who it's from?
2: I would. This song is called Four Winds, and it is from Sensitive Guy.
1: Sensitive guy right here in Cozy Corner, and you're going to hear Four Winds right now on the Late Night Fright. See you on the other side.
3: I know what you say Before you even say I know what's on your mind before you leave really your mind it I don't know which way the fall winds blow well and in which direction I'm not the only
1: Faith, what do you have there?
2: I have a letter from the prison.
1: I think you should read it.
2: All right, here we go. Dear Dan and Faith, want to start off by saying I love the show. I look forward to it each week. You guys know your stuff about horror movies, and with all the events happening lately, you've managed to get out very well. Much better than my victims, at least. Look forward to the next show, and also, dear Welsh Jennings, you might not want to build your new place out in the woods off of Bluff Road unless you want your place to be haunted. There may be some things out there that haven't been discovered. And Dan, you can drop the soap around me any time if you know what I mean. Stay creepy, Billy
3: Bob.
1: That was terrifying. We'll be right back. WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio is proud to present a special preview of Goat
0: Avengers,
1: a new show to be broadcast here on WKMF in
0: association with Lo-Fi Television. My name is Zap Bagels. I never believed in goats until I went to a petting zoo. That experience changed me forever. That goat bit me right on the ding-ding, and I swore from that moment on it would never happen to anyone again. Me and my team are documenting goat hauntings across this country. Together, we are the Goat Avengers. We're here today at the Parcheesi Farm. They have an infestation of goats. Our investigation begins with an interview of old Farmer Parcheesi. So Farmer Parchee, how did it happen? Well, one night me and the missus was in bed and we heard this brrrr. We heard these hooves click clacking on the wood floors down there. And we heard him in the pantry. Next morning, we found that he'd eaten all the canned salmon. Absolutely reprehensible. We set up our recorders and caught this. (coughs) Confident the infestation was real, it was time to call that billy goat out. Hey! I hear you like to eat canned salmon. I've got something you can eat. Why don't you come out and get me? You think you're bad? Billy Goat Gruff ain't so rough. He made a play for my ding-ding, but luckily we got him before he got us. Be sure to tune in to WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio for the continuing adventures of the Goat Avengers.
1: Welcome back to the Late Night Fright here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Faith, what did you think of Four Winds by Sensitive Guy?
2: That song was wonderful.
1: I thought it was a very nice track. I'm thinking we might have a situation here like we do with Weird Gal where this guy, because I didn't see him drop anything off. did And he dropped it off on the same kind of cassette tape that Weird Gal hmm. drops her tunes off on.
3: Interesting.
1: So, you know, it's never dull here in Cozy Corner. Yes. But, you know, speaking of dull, it's been kind of, I don't want to say dull tonight, but it hasn't been as weird as it usually is, except for me dropping <laughs> my glasses, which I just did. And you probably heard that there at home, and that's okay, because we're going to leave it in. Um, right. Live radio, people. Live radio. Live radio. Uh, we have been talking tonight about the 1984 classic movie Ghostbusters. One thing that we didn't do tonight, usually we have a bumper. We didn't do a bumper tonight because I feel like the discussion was going to be a little longer. Um, this movie made a lot of money when it came out. This movie made close to, I think, $250 million in oh, wow. 1984 dollars. Thanks and uh and also it wasn't the number one movie at the box office that year it was beverly hills cop which i think made like a million more or something like this (laughs) i think adjusted for inflation it's like 650 or 700 million dollars maybe eight uh we're talking like avengers type money um so this was a huge hit it really connected with people um and like i said it spawned this multimedia uh, Empire. There was a TV show in 1986, a cartoon called The Real Ghostbusters. That was a big hit. I used to watch it growing up. I still love it. I think they're available on Netflix if I'm not mistaken. Mm. It's, it was a really kind of wonderful, creative show for for a few years. Uh, some really neat stuff. and kind of made Slimer a household name. Uh, in fact, I think that's the show that gave him the name Slimer. Um, but uh, Harold Ramis, you know, he said that the show, uh, the movie, really caught on with kids. And he was very proud of the movie uh there was a great interview he said that teachers uh told him and then they ran a study on it that it was good for kids to play ghostbusters because it um it um nurtured their creativity they had to problem solve so it he was very proud of that and uh was very proud then of the cartoon show but uh it's it's really good the sequel i think the sequel is fine like i said the remake i i didn't I, mm, I didn't, I, connect, with it. I didn't yeah. connect with it. And hopefully the uh, 2020 movie that we have coming out, uh, which is supposedly has all of the original cast members in it, uh, will hopefully, hopefully bring back a little bit of that magic. Um, so let's wrap up the 1984 movie Ghostbusters. Faith, uh, I already know what you're going to say. That I love this movie. You love this movie. <laughs> you love this movie. How did you know? I I love this movie. So let's talk about, uh, as we do here on the Late Night Fright, just some favorites. We always like to wrap up with favorites. Uh, favorite character?
2: It's really kind of a toss up. I want to say Ray, but I think it might be Peter.
1: Peter, I I really think you think like Peter. Peter? I I like Peter. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Ray, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little curveball there. Ray is my favorite character, but I do think that my favorite performance in the movie is Bill Murray. I, I don't, mm-hmm. it's kind of impossible to, this is, It. it is an ensemble piece, but it kind of is his movie. He <laughs> really eats in this movie, you know, and, uh, but Ray, Ray just, oh, to, he's, incredible. he's That's why
2: it's hard for me to pick between the two. <laughs> he's incredible.
1: And I want to give Dan Aykroyd some real props too, because as funny as that man can be, uh, and he can be, he really kind of plays a straight guy here. Mm-hmm. He's, he, and nobody in this cast really goes for the big laugh there's no like joke everything just comes from them and in the situation but uh i i think we're both right with those picks mm-hmm. i i'm i think we're we're both right so uh favorite scene did you have a favorite scene and don't don't be me don't say all of them all of them, all of them. i
2: think we both probably did we say it earlier that
1: we did is there one outside of the bridge scene with with the Armageddon I
2: like the Sigourney Weaver scene the whole her being possessed part I enjoyed that
1: the uh the the horror movie part yeah. where she's in the chair <laughs> I think that is possibly the best bit of directing in the movie I think I think that's a really great well put together scene and uh when we watched it again very creepy it is it's extremely creepy, I think They're it's those crazy. hands it's <laughs> it's the hands coming out the chair it's not the dog it's the, it's the hands mm-hmm. it's it's the hands and if I'm not mistaken, I think one of them may have accidentally copped a feel on her
2: I think I think it, I think it did,
1: and uh you know <laughs> these things happen. you're in a chair, you can't see what you're doing it's it 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 happens i'll i'll go with you on that scene i like the i like the whole segment when they're in a hotel the Mm -hmm. first their first night out i think is is really good um like i said i'm not gonna be me either and say all of them but it's it's
3: it's it's a toss-up
1: it's it's very hard not to say all of them because like we said so much in this movie is done really well and uh so favorite scene. Uh did you have a favorite line? And this is another one where, where it's I think it's, we're both Yeah, yeah, it's true. Scene. This man has no dick. But then there's you know, cats and dogs living cats. together. My second favorite. <laughs> you know, um really anytime Murray opens his mouth, um Everybody in this movie, though, has some really great lines. It kind of reminds me of Predator in that, in yeah. that sense. Like, uh, Predator, I think up until this one has been the most quotable movie that we've done. Ghostbusters, I think, might be a little more quotable yeah. than Predator. Uh, just because I think they, they talk a little bit more in <laughs> Ghostbusters than they do in Predator. But, uh, I, I don't know. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. And, you know, he slined me. Um, you know, Egon. This reminds me of the time you tried to drill a hole in your head. All of them. <laughs> all of them. So, oh, faith is faith is pulling a Dan, and we're going, we're going with all of them. All of them. Uh, okay, here's here's one uh, favorite ghost.
2: Slimer.
1: Slimer. It's kind of hard to. I love him. Kind of hard not he's to. Kind of cute. Not he really he really he really is kind of precious, and he's not malevolent at all. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to eat. Yeah. You know, John Belushi just wanted to eat. Uh. I like the design on a uh, Gozer. Yeah, I did too. I, I really like that the design of Gozer. Uh, did you find in your research? Did you pick up that little bit of trivia about Gozer? Not yeah, sure. That Gozer was originally not going to look like that. It was going to be Evo Shandor, the, That's right, the guy, and it was going to be Paul Rubens, better known as Pee Wee Herman. He was he was going to yep. play the the evil entity mm-hmm. in that. Um, We were talking about Ackroyd earlier, and I wanted to make a point that there is what uh, I consider to be, and my good friend Cade, uh, who's going to be on the show hopefully soon, uh, we consider there to be such a thing as the Ackroydian turn of phrase. (laughs) And what I mean by the Ackroydian turn of phrase is such uh, ideas as Gozer the Gozerian. (laughs) My my personal favorite, uh, symmetrical book stacking, which is which is one uh I I know there's a there's there's probably a few others um, that I'm forgetting, but when you hear those things they are distinctly acroid in there. Uh-huh in their makeup. And if you go back to like his work on sorry, Night live with the bassomatic and things and the way that that guy can get, I've never seen an actor get information out of his mouth the way that Dan Aykroyd gets information out of his mouth. And so quickly, like when he can, he'll just spout off, you know, all of these things. But um, I did want to make the point about the Aykroydian turn of phrase because that is a real thing. And he does use it here quite a bit. with Gozer, the Gozerian. And I think the, the best example of what I'm talking about with getting the information out of your mouth is when he confronts Gozer at the end and tells her to go back to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. It's, it's a, as Rolling Stone said, he's not imitated because no one can do what he does and no one can do what he does in this movie. And I think, I think he's absolutely brilliant. Um, so this is, uh, like I said, this is a great movie. Uh, I don't feel the nostalgia blinders with it. I think it works as a horror film. It works as a comedy film. Mm-hmm. It brings me back to the 80s in a really great way. It brings me back to those days of going to the VHS, uh, you know, rental places, and uh, which I miss those, by the way. Completely off.
2: Wait, that wasn't you at the thrift store
1: earlier. That, was it? I was listening to Huey. Oh, I know. Maybe we had some kind of weird uh, space time rift. Here in Cozy which in cozy Corner, which would not surprise me with everything that we've had going on. Um, I miss those days of the video store, so don't you?
2: Yeah.
1: I, I, guess, I, I just
2: had that discussion the other day with someone how much I liked video stores on Friday nights. You just go pick your movies.
1: What I liked about the video store was... That you could go in and you might go in for something and you couldn't find it because it was out because it was the popular hot rental or whatever. And you'd end up maybe walking, walking a row. You know, you go to the horror section. I used to go walk the horror section all the time and I saw so many movies that I might not have seen because I, you know, um, Whatever was big. It's something like Titanic, whatever was, 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 was out. And, um, yeah, but I distinctly remember there's several films, like a great movie called April fool's day. It's a great horror movie with a Biff Tannen from back to the future, uh, that I might not have rented had whatever it was I was going in for you know right. been in and what i loved about the video store was just walking and being able to see things mm-hmm. and it's a lot it's not like digital where you go and it they might an have experience. some experience it was That's
3: and what, it was. It was an what
1: i liked about the video store was that you had to commit to it you mm-hmm. absolutely had to commit to you're going to watch a movie tonight exactly and and then the responsibility of bringing that movie mm-hmm. back, And know? The
2: excitement of going to find another movie.
1: The excitement, uh, and, and was there any better feeling than when you would go to a video store and you would find and the they movie, have
2: the movie you,
3: you wanted?
1: Especially, like I said, if it was like the hot rental or right. or whatever, and and it was in, and and all was right with the world at that time, you know. And you get would you get snacks there, or would you have those already?
2: Sometimes we'd get them there. Sometimes we'd already have them but that was like our friday night
1: tradition that was that was a lot of people's friday so night friday night traditions um like i said i feel like uh i got a real film education you know yeah. at the at the video store um, being able like i said to go in there and see things mm-hmm. because everything was visible and i feel like i love digital i love being able to go on and buy something right then being able to rent something right there right. there's a convenience to it but I feel like you do lose a little bit of the experience, experience. and I feel like that—that's kind of a bigger point. We might get into that on a later episode. The, the experience of movie watching, mm-hmm. I think, is something that has—it's um, kind of gotten better and worse,
2: right? Because I feel like I used to watch more movies than because because like, you had that experience of going to pick them out and now it's kind of like no you know i guess i'll watch a movie tonight. it was
1: it was a commitment Yeah, it was definitely a commitment and i feel like the the uh the theater experience is not what it used to be i used to go to the movies at least three times a month i used to go at least three sundays a month and now that was at minimum that was wow. the minimum i would go and i would see everything everything that was and this i'm talking 10 years i'm talking 10 years ago this is what i would do and my sunday evenings i would i would go to the movies and i feel like there's a lot more of a um, selection at that time Mm -hmm. the comic book movies and i love the comic book movies but they hadn't really taken over i don't feel like these days that there's a lot of selection i feel like everything is a comic book movie or Mm -hmm. it's I don't know what else you know, is kind of out there, but these movies just kind of show up and they go away for a little while. And uh, I don't mm-hmm. feel like there's adult movies for adults anymore. Uh-uh. Yeah, there's plenty of adult movies out there. You can find those on the internet. But <laughs> um, I don't feel like there's movies uh, for adults anymore. You know, we were talking, uh, we watched Bull Durham one night together. And I don't know that a movie like Bull Durham gets made Mm-mm. today. I don't, I don't know that they it. would that they would release it. And it's a one that's a mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies of all time. I and uh I think Ghostbusters would get made today, but it wouldn't get made like this. Mm-mm. It wouldn't be the same movie that got made yeah. today. And uh and again, as we've said before, we're not knocking modern oh, movies. No, like uh it. there's a lot of movies that we like that have come out, you know, recently. But um one of the things about Ghostbusters, I think that's really neat. And I was thinking about this and I wanted to make sure to say this tonight is it's not a movie that was made for a demographic. You know, these movies today seem like they're all made for different demographics. Exactly. You gotta hit your numbers on this. You gotta mm-hmm. hit your number. You gotta hit this age group. You know, and that's, that's where the advertising is. Ghostbusters was made for adults. It was made for that generation of people for their, I, it was not made for kids. I do not believe it was, so, yeah. it was made uh as a comedy uh i think it was probably rated pg because they needed to get people into the theater mm-hmm. so a bigger audience but it um it was not marketed to a specific group of people it right. was hey here's a funny movie mm-hmm. here's a funny movie with ghost and i think uh i think you know that idea especially the past 35 years and how movies have just changed so much exactly you know and not to get into this discussion, but you see it with the new Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. They, they're they trying to hit a demographic.
3: Exactly.
1: George Lucas was making those movies for everybody. Mm-hmm. He wanted everybody. There was no target audience. Everyone was a target audience. And I think movies like Ghostbusters and Star Wars are going to stand the test of time a lot better than maybe something like Ghostbusters 2016, okay. and, which I think a lot of people have probably forgotten about already. And uh, and you know I don't want to upset anyone, but and, or seem like sacrilege, but something like the solo movie that came out, or yeah. or Rogue One, or or any of these last couple of Star Wars movies, I I don't feel like you know the heart. I think a lot of I, heart.
2: I was going to say that I don't feel like they were made with passion or anything. With they were just kind of made for like let's make money. Because
1: let's face it, it, it is a, it's a money making business. It, it always has been. It always will be. But that's They're, what
2: I feel like today right it's more focused on and
1: there's nothing wrong with no. with that's their business this is the they're in the business to make money their business is also to entertain and i feel like uh a lot of the entertainment As, with some of these newer movies uh and again i'm not knocking the remake i know there's fans of the remake out there and more power to you it it is what it is but uh com- really compare those movies and really compare the opening sequences really compare It takes, uh, the other one a couple more minutes to do what this one, uh, does way more efficiently. I just think that from top to bottom, it's better. And like you said, Faith, it's, um, it's, there's no fat on it. It's, it's very efficient. It's very, uh, there's nothing superfluous about it. And, uh, like I said, I really do. I think it harkens back to a time Aykroyd was trying to make a movie. Uh, he said that they were modernizing the old Bob Hope, uh, ghost movies that they'd make, uh, Abbott and Costello. So they were modernizing a classic. Their heart was in the right place. They love those movies. And I think they made a classic themselves. And, um, so with all the talk about the modern movies that we just did, you know, there's this movie that's out there for you to go enjoy. Go, go watch Ghostbusters. Yes, love go it. Watch it. Love it. I hope you own a copy. And speaking of uh, classics, I don't know if the next movie that we're going to be watching is a classic, but I sure do like it a whole lot. Oh, me
3: too.
1: Yes. Do you want to tell them what we're going to be oh, watching next week?
2: We are going to be watching Batman Returns.
1: Starring Michael Keaton. One of my favorites. Michelle Pfeiffer. Awesome. Danny DeVito. Christopher Walken. Uh, I think it's... a I think it's a wonderful movie. I can't I can't wait to watch it and talk about it next week. Um there's
2: a lot to say, I feel like.
1: There's I think there's a lot there's to a lot I think there's a lot going on in that into. movie. There's a lot to get into. You're right. And uh I don't we're gonna have this discussion next week. And I feel bad that we have not finished our Mount Gushmore discussion yet. So we're gonna get on that as well. But let's just say it. Michael Keaton is Batman. <laughs>
2: yes
1: he is. Is he the best Batman?
2: Yes
3: he is.
1: I wouldn't say that he's the best Batman because he is Batman. He's just Batman. Exactly. Batman cannot be the best, best Batman. (laughs) No, I, I, I love, I love this movie. I really can't wait to talk about it. And I wanted to go ahead and throw that out now, because if you listen to the show, you're probably thinking yourself, but you're a horror show. Well, yes, we do talk about horror movies, but we talk about boogers as well. And booger movies. And I would say in Batman Returns, we've got one heck of a booger in Danny DeVito's being oh, yeah. one. And Absolutely. uh and I might even make the argument that Michael Keaton's Batman is kind of a booger too. Well, I think he's yeah. got a, I think he's got a little bit of the booger in him. So yeah. but uh I'm looking forward to it. We are going to watch that movie and talk about it. And faith, I'm looking at the clock. It's close. Like we're close to sign off, but we do have to take one more break. So cozy corner. This is a first. We might finish the show tonight. And of course we're getting a phone call. Mm
2: -hmm. Should we take it? Let's go for it.
1: He's never in well faith. All right you are on the late night fright wkmf cozy corner public radio how are you this evening and what is on your mind well i'll, uh, I'll tell you what's on my mind dan and faith it's uh, ross roberts host the one i'm looking at and what i'm looking at right now is a very angry and perturbed mom and uh we do have pitchforks and torches that is not the proverbial torches and pitchforks. I'm looking at real torches and real pitchforks. In fact, someone out here. Oh, hey, look, it's uh, it's old Uncle Fred. He uh, he's wearing a glove, and uh, we're all coming down there to uh, get our cake balls. Yeah,
0: that's right. It's hey, old Uncle Fred. I'm coming down there. Hey, Faith, you listening? Yeah. I'm coming for you, bitch. He wants his cake balls. It is a, quite a scene out here, and we will be
1: there momentarily, so you'd better be ready. We're
3: coming for your balls.
1: Wow, Faith. Uh, I don't know if time is going to be on our side tonight, as the old song says, but we are going to take a very quick break. We will hopefully see you on the other side. Hopefully so. I'm Dan. And I'm Faith. This is the Late Night Fright.
0: Uncle Fred, host of Sweet Dreams right here on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. Boy, i out got a new product for you, from my new Kruger Care line, Kruger Care Sleeping Pills, that's right, guaranteed to help you get to sleep and have some sweet dreams. You know you've been missing me, so why don't you come spend a little time with me, Kruger Care Sleeping Pills, they're stuff dreams are made of. And be sure to listen to Sweet Dreams from WKMF, Up's Cozy Corner Public Radio where I help the teenagers with their problems. <laughs> you and I both know what's really going on. Grab a gas sleeping pills. Stuff dreams are made of Uncle Fred, trust me. <laughs> Take them, bitch! This is Dr. Palladium with my new creation, the Murderbot, available now at the
4: Dark Depository.
0: I am Murderbot, created by Dr. Palladium. I will murder, execute murder, clean crime scene, and dispose of body. I am Murderbot. I am also available for math and children's parties. I am Murderbot. Murderbot. But a bad kill by 2 murders and the third is free <laughs>
2: Madame Hill's Juju Emporium specializing in amulets talismans and spell books Madame Hill's Juju Emporium located on Sacred Burial Road next to King's Drive in Theater Madame Hill's Juju Emporium Juju for you you
1: Welcome back to the Late Night Fright here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. We are getting close to the end of the show. Faith, we might actually get to sign off. We are going to be cutting it close because an angry mob with torches and pitchforks is on its way to the station because Faith made me cake balls because she's a good friend. She refuses to sell them in the store until we get Robert England on the show. And we need to make that happen. Cozy Corner. If you're out there, if you can hear us, if you're not marching down here right now, um, we—if uh, Robert England comes on the show, we will have cake balls at the Cozy Cafe. Now, we do have a little bit of time, and hopefully, we can get this in before they show up. Faith, you have something very interesting to say about one of the visual motifs in Ghostbusters, and that is about the statues. Yeah, uh,
2: of course. Um, I think they represent something evil watching you this whole entire time you see them in the beginning of the movie you see them throughout the movie the end of the movie i just feel like that's a representation of something's always watching you always watching them
1: it's uh it's definitely an image that is prevalent in the movie the first shot of the Mm -hmm. movie is of the statue of the lion which you know you could make a comparison to the dog statues at the end um Mm -hmm. The, did you catch the one at the title? I think they're at Columbia University where they filmed it. And when they put Ghostbusters up on the screen, it's a statue. It's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. well, I don't know what that statue is, but you're looking at, at a statue and it's looking and there's the gargoyles mm-hmm. and the, and the dogs and they literally turn in the statues too. Um, I, uh, let me ask you this now. Do you think it's something evil watching you or is it just something watching you? <laughs>
2: That's a good question.
1: That maybe maybe I, there's something.
2: Maybe something, but then I, maybe it's not evil. Maybe it's just a little darker because you know when they right. all turned into statues. Of course, it was kind of a darker time, right? So maybe that kind of ties in, you know? right?
1: Um, it's something I've I've definitely noticed that that over the years uh, until we got into doing this and I really gave it myself. But I, I I was I'm right there with you that it's. I think it's that there's something else, that there's, that, um, there's something bigger, you know. Right. Maybe, as the song says, there's something strange in the neighborhood. <laughs> and who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Of course <laughs> you're going to call the Ghostbusters. Oh, dear. They, do you hear that? I do. They are here. How close are we? We're Oh. Uh, sure. We're oh, that came through the window, dude. That, that came through the window. Yeah. We are going to have to go, Faith. We're not going to get the sign off tonight. Of course not. We were so close. So close. Do you do realize that this is all your fault? I do. Because you made me cake balls. Yeah. Faith, your balls have brought about an early end to the show. Sorry. What do you have to say for yourself? I am very sorry. Faith, you're a little son of a bitch. Hey, everybody, it's Dan from The Late Night Fright. Be sure to check out our website, latenightfright.com, and subscribe to our email list. Also, check us out on Instagram at The Late Night Fright Podcast. Sweet dreams. See you on the other side.